Welcome to the Working Moms Podcast, featuring inspiring stories and resources for the modern working mom. I'm your host, estate planning attorney, investor, and pregnant mama-to-be, Pam Moss. All right, so today's guest is Jamie Sarche. She is the director of pre-planning at Feldman Mortuary, and she is passionate about breaking down the taboos around death. And Jamie, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I know you get it. I know you understand why it's important to talk about the things that our society doesn't want to talk about. So I'm thrilled to have this with you. Absolutely. And I'd love to start by hearing from you a little bit more about your background and how you really got into this field. I get asked that a lot. And and it's really funny, like I don't have a background in social work or psychology, um, which people assume I would. Um, But I've always just been really good at talking about hard stuff and wanting to have those deep and authentic and important conversations. I was the one in high school that if my friends were worried about having, you know, an STD or being pregnant, I was the one they turned to because they knew they could talk about it with me and I would help them figure it out. I was a peer counselor. Um, I did AIDS education at the beginning of the AIDS crisis. So that was in the mid eighties, I was doing that. Um, And I just was always really interested in talking about things that most people want to kind of sweep under the carpet. And um, when I was 26, a very good friend of mine who I'd been friends with since ninth grade was diagnosed with a glioblastoma, which is the brain tumor that killed Ted Kennedy. Um, John McCain had it. It's just really, it's terminal. It's a deadly disease. But because she was so young, everybody would say, oh, don't worry, you're going to beat this. You're, you're young and you're strong. And actually, I think that that's just how we do it because it's so hard. Um, but I handled it so differently and I don't really know where it came from, but I went to her and I just said, you know, I'm here to talk about whatever you need to talk about. And, um, I could just identify with what it might've felt like to be a young woman with a small child. I also had a small child, um, and what that might feel like to know I wasn't going to be there to raise that baby. And I just, I was okay to have that conversation with Michelle And um, it really deepened our friendship. And it also um, helped me to be a lot more um, complete with her death. You know, I just knew I had said everything I needed to say, and she said everything she needed to say. And so that was really important and special. And one of the things that's so lovely is she's been gone already, like more than 20 years, but she's with me in this work all the time. I feel like she led me to this work and, um, And I just feel her presence in doing it. And so that's really, it's really powerful and wonderful for me. That is really powerful. And I'd imagine for your friend going through that experience is so isolating and people not knowing how to interact with you feels isolating. So to have you be that person that wasn't isolating her, that wasn't trying to candy coat it, I'm sure was so powerful in her processing it as well. I think that's true. Yeah, because I think that's what we do as human beings is we want to we want to candy coat it. We we're uncomfortable with people's pain. And so we want to paper over it. We want to find out what's what's going to be the at least 
you know, we want to rescue people from that pain and that is further isolating to them and invalidates their feelings. Um, and if we can just sit quietly and say, tell me more, that can be really important and powerful and helpful. And so when you took this opportunity at Feldman, did you kind of know what you were going to get into? Were you ready for it? Or is it something that you kind of grew with over time? You know, it's so funny. I didn't look for this job. Found me. Um, I didn't know that this exists. Um, So many years ago, this is already 11 years ago, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be. And I have a degree in communications and I had always intended to work in television, but then I followed my husband around. That's a long story, but um, I didn't get that. And and so I was just trying to figure out what comes next for me. And um, I heard that Feldman's was looking for somebody to do this. My friend, Karen, who um, had been thinking about becoming a death doula, had gone to talk to Jim, who has owned Feldman's for a long time. He's the fourth generation owner of the um, business. And she just wanted to talk to him about what did he know? Did she need a certificate? Kind of some details of that. He had no clue, but he said to her, I'm looking for someone to do prearranged funeral planning. She was not interested. And lucky for me, she mentioned it to me because I was just like, that is for me. And I called him and my resume doesn't, really, it didn't support that. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what funerals entailed. I, I didn't know anything. And that actually has been really good because most people who do the work I do, do it in a very specific way. They invite people to, you know, um, Red Lobster and they say, come have a good lunch and we're going to talk about prearranged funeral planning. I never do that. And, um, and it's because I wasn't taught to do that. There wasn't anybody in my role before me. I didn't get training to do this. I came into the job and thought, how am I going to talk to people about this? Um, I need to connect with other people who are connecting with people who need to talk about this. So I created, along with somebody from Jewish Family Service, uh, a series called Before the Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And we brought in other speakers and we would just talk about all these hard things I've been doing that for 11 years and that's the whole basis for my practice. That is really um, wonderful. And it's interesting to hear how you kind of fell into it and it was a calling it came to you um, for people who have no experience with this topic, right? They've never even considered it. How would you describe what kind of pre-planning is for, for them? So, it is getting more and more common and I'm working to make it more and more common. But, you know, we really live in this society that says, don't think about death. Don't talk about death. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I find so many people will say, well, I don't care. I don't need a funeral. When you're dead, you're dead. And that's probably true. Probably the dead person is fine, but the people they love are not fine. And if you think about what you feel like when you're grieving, I mean, right now, like, I just think about everybody, even during this COVID thing, like, how many people are telling you they can't think, they're not keeping up with their stuff, they don't know, you know, they're just so overwhelmed. So when you've lost a loved one, when somebody you love dies, you can't think. 
And there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. And those decisions are incredibly important and they reverberate for the rest of your life. If you do something that you wish you hadn't, you'll regret it forever. And it will make your grieving that much harder. So if your loved one puts the plan in place ahead of time, like right now, I did my plan when I was 42. Um, Then at the time of a death, all that has to be done is making a phone call and maybe reviewing things. So that's what I do with people as I meet with them. I find out what their values are and help create a funeral or memorial service plan that meets those values and what they want to leave for the people that they love. And we're able to fund it with um, an insurance product that allows them to get today's costs. And that's actually tremendously powerful because funerals typically double in cost every seven to 10 years. So by putting a plan into place decades before it's needed, you can avoid so much inflation. And then on that terrible day, all the people who love you have to do is make one phone call and it's all done. And then they just can grieve and be in their feelings and, and be able to process the, the change in their life and start creating their new normal. And so, you know, there's a few things I wanted to kind of pick out of there of what you said. And one of the first things you talked about was really, this isn't about you. This is about the people you love, right? And yeah, this, like this conception that we have, this preconceived notion that, you know, oh, once I'm dead, I'm dead. It doesn't matter to me. And it's not about me. It's about the people I leave behind. And so over the years um, that you've done this, right, you've had the chance to see people well before they plan to pass away and then see their loved ones afterwards. And have you had that experience where, you, where the their family members tell you how powerful this has been for them and how grateful they are for their loved one taking the time ahead of time? Absolutely. And what I would say is even in this situation where I'm meeting with the person, they often come in super nervous and overwhelmed. And then when we're done, they go, oh, That was so much easier than I thought. Now I can stop thinking about this and worrying about it. And and at the time of the death, the family always, always says, oh, I'm so grateful we didn't have to do anything. You know, this is just the final gift that my mom is giving us. It's such a gift of love to just have the path already paved and we just get a walk on it. That's what they always say. And you mentioned there kind of that feeling when people first come to you, right? It's, it's nervous, mm-hmm. like they're nervous, they're, they have, they're not sure what to expect. And what does that process, if someone is listening and they've been thinking about doing this, or this is kind of, you know, giving them some ideas that they should, what is that process going to look like? How, what is involved with coming and speaking with you or someone like you? So it's really very easy. I try to help them to feel comfortable. And because I'm comfortable talking about death, I find that they get more comfortable. You know, they often will say, oh, this was, you know, you've handled it in a way that I can feel safe. So that's really my first goal is to help them to feel safe. Um, And then I really ask a lot of questions because as I said before, we never talk about this. 
So people don't know what the choices are. They don't know what those choices mean. They often think, oh, you know, even though I've lived my life as an environmentalist, I think I'm going to cremate because they think if I don't use up space, that's a good choice. So I'm always asking questions like, help me understand what led you to this decision. You know, is it that you want to be cremated because you think it's better not to use up space? Well, if that's the case, let me share with you that that's maybe not the right choice because when we get buried in a green way, no embalming, a biodegradable casket, that's actually way better for the earth. So what do you think about that? So I'm always like asking a lot of questions and what do you think is going to be needed? How is your, how are your loved ones going to interact on this? Um, sometimes even when I see a family that they'll say to me, you know, we've put the second child in charge. The first child would have expected to be in charge, but, um, but that doesn't work for us. And here's why I will often say, you know, I think it might be a really a good idea to write a letter as to why you did it this way. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you do that too, because you won't be here to answer the questions. And your sibling or the children are going to be fighting and they're going to be mad because it's not going the way they expected. You don't want to leave that. So let's figure out the goal here is really to leave families intact, to help families to grieve in the best way possible. So I involve myself in a lot of that because like I have an easy time talking about it. And, and I've had enough experience that I've seen some of this, just like I'm sure you have too. And the goal really is to help people to do it in a healthful, healthy way. And you mentioned as well, there is some financial advantages of planning in advance. And you mentioned that, you know, the costs are going up over time, right? And hopefully all of us are going to live long, healthy lives. And, you know, just looking at the data, it's going to be very expensive for us to pay down the road. And if we pay in advance. If we set something in advance, you were saying that there is an insurance product, which makes it affordable and also kind of locks you in at today's rate. Is that what you were kind of describing? That's exactly right. And different states are going to have different laws. But in Colorado, a funeral home guarantees today's costs for their own services. There's some cash advance items that might be in there like the newspaper notice or an honorarium for the clergy person, death certificates, a few things that wouldn't get locked in because the funeral home doesn't control those costs. But everything that is a funeral home cost has to be guaranteed at today's prices. We sign a contract that says that. And um, what also is so beneficial is if somebody wants to pay for it over time, they can. And it's got a life insurance component. So if God forbid they die during that time frame, it would get paid for. So depending on your age, we figure out what's best financially for you. If you're 85 and you can afford to pay it in a single payment, that's going to be financially the best idea. If you're 42, it might not be the best idea to do it in a single payment. Let's just think about it. Let's just think about what makes sense for you. So that's what we do is really figure out what's best. And is, you mentioned you were in your early forties when you put your plan in place. Is there kind of an age? I mean, is there an age that's too young to do this planning? Is there um, kind of a set, set of what you've seen or what is your philosophy of when you should do this? So I don't market to people who are younger than about 50. Mm-hmm. 
And I have a philosophy about it in that when you're younger, you have other expenses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're maybe saving to send your kids to college or, you know, a wedding, whatever. There might be things you need to pay for. So maybe those things take precedence. But in your 50s, a lot of those things may be behind you. And so maybe that's the time. I really do think the sweet spot is maybe 55 years old, but not a lot of people come to me then. Um, And I do have some 30-year-old clients. And depending on like where they are in their life, we'll figure some things out. Like I don't think there's a problem with them doing the funeral planning because if they move, the insurance product goes with them and can be used at any other funeral home. And that's true for everybody. If you move, it can go with you. Um, The funeral home only gets paid for the services that it actually does. Um, But like for very young people, I sometimes hesitate for them to buy cemetery property right then um, or things like that. Like I do have one client and his whole family has been buried at one cemetery. I know that that's the right choice for him. He is very confident that he's not moving anywhere. And even if he did move somewhere, he'd still want to be buried in that cemetery. So that made sense to me. But I have a number of clients that I've said, you know, I would hold off buying the cemetery property because you might not be able to sell it back if you move. And that I, I worry about that a little bit. Um, but if somebody is young and they want to talk about this, I think it's great. I think it's a great idea, especially because the money is always there for them, no matter what. And kind of you picked up on kind of where that sweet spot is. And I'm sure a lot of the people that will be listening to this have parents who are a little bit older and maybe haven't put this plan in place. And do you have any tips of how to talk to your parents and grandparents around this topic um, and really approach it and, and kind of give that, that gentle nudge to get yeah. something in place? I do. I, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that, Talking about it does not make anything happen. That's what we have to start from that place because so many people are afraid to talk about it. Even I, for the first couple of years I was doing this, I thought I can't talk to people about funeral planning because if I do, they will think I think they're going to die. Well, then I realized I think they're going to die I'm right that they're going to die. (laughs) I don't have any clue when, nor do they. So talking about it is so important because it's really the only experience every one of us will have aside from birth. Um, So I think the way to talk about it is to just say, like, use this as a, um, as a jumping off point. Hey, I was watching this, um, this video call and we, we were learning about funeral planning have you done that? Or use um, a movie. Oh, I was watching this movie and they talked about it. What do you think? Or I want to put my own plans in place. Have you done your plans? I mean, you know so well that the vast majority of people die without having a will, advanced directives. So even more die without having funeral or memorial service plans. And they really do such a disservice to the people they love. So bringing this up is a good idea. Um, I would say talking about it from a less charged 
um, situation is a good idea. Probably not at the Thanksgiving dinner table, but for Thanksgiving weekend. And to just say, hey, I'd like to sit down and talk about something that I've been thinking about. Can we schedule some time? Recognizing that it is an emotional topic, um, figuring that it might take a few conversations. But I would always say that the best jumping off point is to say, hey, I'm doing this planning. Would you consider doing this planning too? I'm doing it to give a gift to the people who love me. I'm wondering if you will do this because I love you and you want to make it easier on me. That's great. And so really it's taking the time to have those conversations and really approaching it from a place of, you know, how can we, how can we kind of bridge this gap and, and why I think it's valuable and why you might think it's valuable as well. And, uh, and kind of along a little bit of the same topic, but a different spin. So I know that you're passionate about talking about the taboos around death and from listening to your Ted talk, which I will include in the link, uh, you mentioned kind of your Sarchet family rule. And so I'd love to hear um, any tips that you have about talking to your kids about death and how you approach that topic and what age and, and all of your, your thoughts around that. Absolutely. Thank you for asking that. I think that we have the opportunity to change this culture. You know, um, a couple of generations ago, people didn't talk about sex. They didn't talk about body parts. They would use euphemisms. They would say, let's not talk about this now. You know, they would, they would say, no, 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 we can't go there. Mm-hmm. But they realized that by using correct terminology for body parts, starting from when a child begins to ask questions and it, you know, just even when they're a tiny baby naming all the body parts, you know, we talk about their elbow. We should also talk about their penis. It's safe to do that, to, to name those things. Um, I feel like it's very similar with death, like just understanding that, you know, things have lifespans. Um, when a goldfish dies, Taking that opportunity to talk about, you know, oh, it's so sad that Goldie died. Now we're going to have a ceremony to honor Goldie and, and to make it so we can really, we can figure out how to create our new normal without Goldie. And maybe that's a burial at sea, you know, flushing down the toilet. But that gives our kids the opportunity to practice. So let's stop lying to them. Let's stop replacing the goldfish with the identical one. Let's stop telling kids that the dog went to live on the ranch. You know, let's just acknowledge that things have a lifespan. I really found growing with my own children, like that when they were worried about death, what they were really worried about is who's going to take care of me if you die? So we would talk about that too. When they were little, little, little kids, I would talk about, you know, how many people love you? Who's in your life? You know, you have grandma and grandpa and you have Aunt Jen and you have Uncle Steve and you have Uncle Rob and you have Uncle Carrie. And we would just go through this litany of people that they have because I wanted them to recognize that they are safe because that's really what they're trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. And have them understand that it's, it's okay. Sometimes it feels especially terrible 
when someone dies, if it's a tragic death, if it's not in the normal lifespan, or if it's someone they're deeply connected to, it feels terrible. And it's okay that it feels terrible. And they should come to the cemetery and they should be at the funeral and they should be part of this stuff if they want to. If they don't want to, I would never force them to. But inviting them into the experience is really important. And it's great practice, especially when it is a pet or it's someone less connected to them so they can just practice. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I love the idea of, you know, bringing into um, with the pet conversation and having those traditions around there. Um, That's wonderful. Have you seen, I guess, or has your approach to death or these conversations changed during COVID? Do you find that you're having more conversations? Do you find that you're taking that taking different approaches? Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, the truth of the matter is I have been afraid to have some of these conversations and it's really that idea of it feels so real. You know, um, I always think that this is easier to do when death seems theoretical. And that's a big part of why it's better to do it younger. It's way better to do it when nobody's had a diagnosis. But quite honestly, this pandemic has people to understand we are all incredibly vulnerable. And it's really smacked people in the face. I guess on some level, like I'm worried about seeming ambulance chasey. So I haven't, I haven't reached out in a way that I typically do. I probably need to get over it in the same way I had to get over the idea of if I talk to them about death, they're going to think I think they're going to die. You know, again, like, I don't know when they're going to, but I know that someday that will happen. And please God, it's way down the road. Um, But it has been interesting. Like I have had a lot of people reaching out to me saying, um, you know, this has always been sort of on my back burner, but now it feels urgent. So I've, I've actually been incredibly busy because just the pandemic itself, again, has really raised that idea of um, we are all vulnerable and we don't know when this stuff is going to happen. Well, I really appreciate your honesty and kind of sharing that it's, it's a new <laughs> chapter. It is a new chapter. And, and I find the same thing. Um, you know, I, you know, have been educating people about estate planning and I'm passionate about it. And then this came up and I'm running different Facebook ads and I'm like, what's the most sensitive way (laughs) to approach this during this time? But I've had the same experience that people are reaching out, people are receptive um, and they want the information. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we're in that space, but it's also nice to be able to give people that peace of mind right now. Give when it's such an uncertain time, being able to give people a piece of certainty in their lives for their loved ones. I couldn't agree more. They're so worried about stuff. And if we can take this piece of worry off their plate, again, maybe they can go, okay, now I'll move on to the next thing. You know, I think it's important. And how long does the planning process look like for you? If someone kind of came, they contacted you, about how much time does it take to put a plan in place? It's so easy. It's like an hour. Okay. It's 
It's just a conversation about what are their wishes, um, all of the information that I need for the death certificate and a newspaper notice is things, it's all things that people know. It's going to be their social security number, what they do for a living, how much education, who are their parents, things like that. They know that information. So they don't have to research it. They don't typically have to figure it out. It's very different than the estate planning process, which often takes months. This is really one thing that they can cross off their list. The other thing that I think is so much easier than like the estate planning process that they don't have to figure out who's going to be in charge. You know, we don't have to decide that now. Um, we don't know who's going to be in charge and it's okay. It's different than figuring out like who are the guardians for their children. You know, it just, it's easier. The other thing that I always want people to know is if they move away, it can go with them. And if they change their mind, we can make that change too. Sometimes people will decide they want to cremate. And then five years down the road, they go, I think I really want to be buried instead. We can make that change. So I just want them to know that they have the opportunity to revisit these decisions if they want to. The other thing that I see happen a lot, though, is people saying, well, I need to talk to my kids about this. Their kids do not want to talk to them about this. <laughs> the vast majority of kids, and I mean that as adult children, will say, whatever you want, just do what you want. But I'll be really grateful that you've done the plan. Most that's, don't want to have this conversation. That's really interesting because the kind of, yeah, you would think that perception is that they would want to want some input, but really they just want it to be taken care of. They want to know what your wishes are. They want to honor your choices. Yes. That's a really good reminder for adult children who have, you know, aging parents that they want to get this planning in place that this is about you um, and, and about me, but in an yeah. indirect kind of way. Yeah. Um, but the part that's about me is please just give me the path to walk on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk on it best is by knowing I did what meets your wishes. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, now, what is, before we kind of sign off and <laughs> wrap it up, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you if they have more questions, if they want to kind of start this process? So they can find me, um, if they Google my name, Jamie Sarche, there's going to be lots of stuff. You said you're going to include the TED Talk. I appreciate that. And they can reach me um, by phone, um, which is 720-404-6772. That's my cell phone. They can also reach me at Feldman Mortuary if they're in Denver. And, um, and my email is just Jamie, but you got to spell my name, right? J A M I E at feldmanmortuary.com. They can find me on LinkedIn too. Great. Well, I will include all those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much today, Jamie, for taking the time to talk to us about this topic that is so important and we really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Thanks for doing this. 
mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, www.findpam.com for all the show notes and links. And you will also get access to my free legal tool to name legal guardians. It's all right there at findpam.com.